Glory to God. If you've got your Bible for a few moments, I want you to turn with me in this Thanksgiving season. I pray that when Thanksgiving Day is over, that the Thanksgiving season will remain in our hearts for the rest of our lives. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about the blessings of a grateful heart today. And I'm going to read the story that you're probably so familiar with to put a particular verse in context today. Uh, How many have heard about David when the ark came back to Israel? The Philistines had had it. They had won a battle over Israel. They had taken the ark of the covenant. And now the ark was back in its rightful place and the blessing was restored to Israel. And David, to express his gratitude, not to show off or just, uh, just show mere emotionalism, but to express his gratitude to God, danced before the ark of the covenant and before the Lord as it was brought back to its rightful place. And he danced with all of his might. That's called extravagant praise. That's called holding nothing back. Everybody say holding nothing back. Amen. So many times we just follow the leader in our gratitude and our praise. We just, you know, kind of follow how the worship is going. And and it doesn't get personal with us. God wants it to get personal. Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks past all of that. No matter how great the choir or praise team is singing, no matter how great you and I sing, God looks past what we're saying and looks directly into our heart. Man looks at what? The outward appearance. God looks past all of that and looks directly and distinctly into the heart. And that's why a woman who was so filled with gratitude because of what Jesus had done for her, the first thing that she asked was, where do we worship God? The first response to his goodness and grace at Jacob's well was to want to worship properly. She was concerned. She was wanted to worship God, but she wanted to worship him acceptably. She said, where do we truly worship God? where he will accept our praise and worship. I want to worship, but I want to worship him in a way that is acceptable, in a place that is acceptable, in a position that is acceptable unto him. Should we worship him in the holy mountain or worship him in the holy city? And here's Jesus' answer. The time has come, and now is, from this time forward, They that worship God, this is an imperative to worshiping God acceptably. They that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, I'm Pentecostal. I am full gospel. I am spirit-filled. Amen. And when I first saw in spirit, I thought of the exuberance that we worship God with when we came together. Remember back when Pentecostals were known for that kind of worship? Amen. Remember a day when we earned the name Holy Roller? Amen. Because some people fell out under the power of God. Some people uh, shouted. Some people danced before the Lord. And I thought, this is, this is worshiping Him in the, in the unction and compunction of the Holy Spirit. But it's talking about in the spirit of gratitude coming from the heart. In your own spirit, you must worship Him in 
spirit and in truth. In truth, it has to be from the heart. Every time they tried to practice religion without a true relationship with God, God did not accept the prescribed sacrifices. Even when they offered them as prescribed, God simply would not accept it without it coming from the heart. So there's no substitute for being authentic in our worship and being real in our relationship. Amen? For God seeketh such. He said, lady... You can't go to that mountain and get any closer to God than you are right here. You can't go to that city and get any closer to God than you are right here. But if you begin to worship right where you are, in spirit and in truth, God will receive your worship as you honor Him. Praise God. Amen. Now, if you don't worship Him, then, then it proves that something's wrong in the attitude. Before I read about David, I want to, I want to read this, uh, this story about a monk in a monastery. A man dreamed of joining a monastery. His goal in life was to become a monk. So one day he went to a monastery and talked to the head monk and said, What do I need to do to join? And he was told that it was more difficult than what he thought. In our monastery, monks are only allowed to say two words every year. He said, That sounds a bit extreme, but I wanted to be a monk for so long I was going to give it a try. He was shown to his room, and for the next 12 months, he never said a word. At the end of his first year, he was taken to the head monk, where he could now say two words, and the guy said, food's bad. He went back to his room and was silent for another 12 months. At the end of the second year, he again was taken to the head monk for his two words. This time, his two words were, Beds hard. The head monk said, okay. And the man went back to his room. Another 12 months of silence passed. He was brought again to the head monk for his annual two words. And the guy said, I quit. And the head monk said, well, it doesn't surprise me. All you've done is complain ever since you've been here. Amen? How many know that we all are guilty from time to time of complaining? Questioning God, saying, why me? Before my son went to heaven, one of the things God did in his heart and his life, which was so precious to me, he said, Dad, because he had had too many strokes, interrupted that pathway of neurons and was having seizures, he had lost his talent, he had lost his health he had lost so much that was so precious to him in life but he didn't lose ultimately his faith and he had a perspective that a lot of christians been in church for years need to get a hold of he said dad i used to before i made jesus my king he said i used to say why me I'm in my early 50s. I I didn't expect my life to take a turn like this. And I used to say, why me? But he said, now I say, why not me? Why should a child, six years old, be laying in a hospital uh, with 
cancer, dying. Why not me in my 50s? You know, why not me? Why, why do I consider myself exempt from the trials and tests of life? And we got into this, this deep conversation about living in a faulty body in a fallen world. How many know your body is faulty? The Bible says of your body that corruptible one day is because it is corruptible. It's going to have to put on incorruption. Amen. You live, and I live in a faulty body. If you walk through a cemetery, you assume everybody's 80 and above. You're very wrong. You're going to find a lot of babies in that cemetery. You're going to find a lot of teenagers. You're going to find middle-aged people. It covers the whole spectrum. Amen. Because we live in a body that sin has touched before we came to Jesus. And this body is a faulty body. In fact, the Apostle Paul called it a tent. He said, if this earthly tabernacle, when I see tabernacle, I think of the church that I'd like to have. Amen. <laughs> this big, beautiful edifice with, with all of the trimmings, this big stone structure with the steeple. But the word tabernacle that Paul used in the Greek was the word tent. And of course he would use that analogy because Paul was a tent maker by trade. That's what he did for a living, was make tents and mend tents. And he said if this earthly tabernacle, say tent where that is because that's what it is in the Greek. If this earthly tent, you know the first thing I get from that? That this body is not, that we have right now is not permanent. Amen. How many's ever been camping? How many's ever slept in a tent? How many know that's not where you want to live? How many know when Irma came through, the last place you'd want to be is in a tent? Because a tent is no place to be in a storm. And when the storms of life come and we're living in a body that Paul said, this is just a tent. That's a temporary place. That's something that you just live in for a short bit of time somewhere. Amen. But it's not your permanent dwelling. And he said if it were blown down by a mighty wind, if this tent were dissolved, this earthly tabernacle connotated blown down by a mighty wind, we have one in heaven that is not made with hands, something that is not man-made, something God has created just for us. And he said we do not yearn to be without this tent even though it's temporary and it can become tattered and torn in t with time, but we long to be clothed upon, amen, with our tabernacle from heaven, the permanent one, amen, that will never, time will never take its toll on us. He said, we are willing rather then to be absent from this body, this tent, and to be present with the Lord. And receive that that he's prepared for our spirit until the, this body is resurrected. Well, if we have one in the heavens, why, would, why do we need this one? Because God's victory over death would not be complete if he gave us a spiritual body to inhabit and not bring this body. God is not going to let the devil have the last word. The last enemy to be destroyed is physical death. And you know what will consummate that? When Jesus comes and the dead in Christ rise. This physical body 
Job had the revelation way before, amen, the New Testament was ever written. Back in the mo- mo- one of the most ancient books of the Old Covenant. And when he had went through all of his trials and finally was afflicted in his body. And his wife came and said, why don't you? He had boils all over his body. And his, and he was, his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? God has not been faithful. God has not been good. And God dropped that revelation in his heart that sustained him. Amen. And you know what he said? He said, I know. There's no speculation here. I know. My Redeemer, everybody say Jesus. This is looking down through time to the time when a Redeemer would come for all mankind. But I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, He's going to stand bodily, physically upon this earth. And when He does, though the skin worms... Eat all the flesh from my bones and nothing's left but those old dry bones. When he stands up, I'm going to stand up right with him. (laughs) And and in my flesh, I'm going to stand with him. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Answers to me the question, will we know each other in heaven? (laughs) Do you know me here? This body right here, only it's going to be a better body. It's going to be corruptible. We'll put on incorruption. Mortal. That that can die. We'll put on immortality. Praise God. This body. The Bible said he became the first fruits of them that slept. The first man to ever die. Go into the tomb. Come out of the tomb. In a body that will never die again. Praise God. Immortal and eternal. He became the first fruits, the first man. Come on. Lazarus was raised, but he died. Jairus' daughter was raised, but she died. Can you say man? But when we are raised with him, we will never die. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is this is a this is an incredible blessing from the Lord to praise him for. Hallelujah. And when my son had that realization, why not me? It's okay. I'm not going to question God any further. Amen. I'm just going to thank Him for salvation. And I'm going to thank Him for the resurrection. I'm going to thank Him for the hope I have. That that though this outward man perish, this inward man, the man that's going to live forever, is renewed every single day. And I thought, my son... Down had come to a realization and an understanding and a perspective that a lot of people been in church for years still don't have. Because we tend to question God, why me? Why me? Let me give you a perspective today. It's a simple formula. And you probably know it because I'm going to keep giving it. And it helped my son through his trials and his testings. We live in a faulty body. That's why things go wrong. Every person, Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter across the spectrum. We all live in a faulty body. Someone crosses the center line and hits you head on. Your body is not going to be able to withstand that. A head-on collision. Unless God supernaturally. It will take the supernatural. Because in the natural, being a Christian, you still live in a faulty 
body. I went to a I went to to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, for a conference on healing. Or Roberts was going to be the primary speaker and a whole lot of other speakers. And I was disappointed and everyone else was disappointed when we got there because we were told that Oral had to cancel. You know why? Because he had the flu. Wait a minute. Oral Roberts who's prayed for people with cancer and all these different things and they got delivered, he has the flu? Yeah, because... that. Listen... That don't make him Superman because he's anointed to pray for the sick. He's still a mortal person. And he still lives in a faulty body. How many remember? I got it. All of them remember. But you guys. The thriller in Manila. When that fight with Muhammad Ali took place in the Philippines. And they call it the thriller in Manila. Bill Fraser. Joe Frazier, Joe Frazier, he just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And big fight, world champion, is on his way to Manila for the, one of the biggest fights of his career with Joe Frazier. And on the way, he was feeling good. He was in shape. He was ready. He was raring to get in that fight. And he was feeling his oats, winning so many battles and believing he was going to win that one and he got on a plane to the philippines and this 98 pound stewardess little filipino stewardess came walking the aisle before takeoff when the little ding and sign came on said fasten your seat belts and she's looking to see that everybody's buckled up for takeoff she passes by Muhammad Ali, and he hasn't fastened his seatbelt. She knows who he is. She looks down at him and says, Champ, it's time to buckle up. And he looked back at her and said, Superman, don't need no seatbelt. And she looked back at him and said, Superman, don't need no airplane either. <laughs> Amen. And the champ buckled up. Amen. Let me tell you something. There are no, and I don't care how anointed and appointed they are in spiritual leadership and how many gifts they demonstrate. There are no, and I want to emphasize no, spiritual supermen or superwomen. Can you say amen? Paul, who had the greatest credentials of any of the apostles as far as his anointing and his commitment. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. He said concerning revelations and even concerning sufferings for the faith more than the rest of them came upon him. And yet, you know what he said? He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Whatever I have become for Jesus, it is all because of that underpinning grace. Can you say, man? Oh, friend, we ought to praise Him every single day for the amazing grace that has saved us. Can somebody say amen to that today? Glory to God. A famous stress researcher claims that two attitudes, more than any other influence... 
the quality of everyday life. On these two emotions, he says, depend our peace of mind, our feelings of security or insecurity, of frustration. In short, the extent to which we can make a success of life. The most destructive emotion is revenge. But in contrast, among all the emotions, there is one which much more than the other accounts for the absence of or the presence of stress in human relations. And it is the feeling of gratitude. He has said it's impossible to be anxious and thankful at the same time. The moment you become thankful, you can't become anxious anymore. Amen. Jesus stood in Pilate's hall and everybody forsook him. And he began to give thanks to his father. And that took away all that pressure and all that pain and that feeling of isolation and loneliness. He said, I thank God my father is always with me. And he always hears me. I thank God. Hallelujah. That's the power of an attitude of gratitude. Amen. Let me just read verse 14. I don't have time to put it in context. It said, well, let me give you some context. You can read it at home. Amen. Listen to me. The ark has been lost in battle. It was lost in battle at a place called Shiloh. It was lost in battle when they took the ark and they took it into battle because when God was with them, when they were right with God, no one could defeat them. When they took the ark into battle, their enemies knew there's a supernatural force with them that we cannot contend with. They won battle after battle after battle. But when they begin to compromise and worship false gods in the temple, the Spirit of the Lord was no longer upon them because of their religion and their religious practices because they were wrong with Him. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You can't bow. Amen. You can't worship God and mammon simultaneously. Amen. You will love one and hate the other. Hate one and love the other. So they got the ark like they always did and put it in the forefront. And they lost the battle. And they took great a great many of them died in the battle. And the, to top it all off, the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and stole it from Israel. Let me tell you something about God. You can be unfaithful to Him, but He's going to be faithful to Himself. He can't be faithful to you till you come back to Him. But He is faithful to Himself. If we deny Him, the New Testament said, He cannot and therefore will not deny Himself. Amen. If we, do, if we reject Him, He's obligated to reject us, it goes on to say. But He is always faithful to His own character and to His own person and His own purpose and His own promises. And even though they took the ark because of the compromise of Israel, that ark represented God's faithfulness to Israel and, and his, his personal presence with us upon the earth in the old covenant. They took the ark into the temple of, of their God, this huge statue of Dagon, where they worshipped, and they put it in front of Dagon. And they left 
and celebrated their victory over Israel. Got up the next morning. Their great and mighty representation of their God had fallen face down and was prostrate before the Ark of the Covenant. And they said, what? Who did this? What's going on here? And they took whatever pulleys and ropes they had to take that edifice and pull it back upright. They left again for the night and came back the next day. And it had fallen again. And this time its head had come loose and it had went to pieces. And then the plagues began to come on the land. And they realized there's something about this gopher wood box with the golden lid. Amen. It is not just some trinket, uh, not just something superstitious thing that they had. There is some power here. How many ever saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? When they got it, wasn't too far off when they opened the lid of that holy, holy relic. Amen. You know that ark is somewhere. No one knows where it is, but it exists somewhere. I am convinced no one could destroy that ark because God God used that uh, in such a mighty way. And it's going to come back. One, it's going to show up one of these days, and a temple is going to be rebuilt, and that worship is going to be reinstituted. Amen. Uh, and there's a whole lot of things in Revelation that are going to occur. And one of them is the ark of the covenant coming back to Israel and the temple worship being you can't, you can't defile the altar in the temple without that temple being reestablished. So it's all coming. But the, the thing was, that ark represented God's covenant with Israel. His promise, His purpose. If you keep your covenant with me, I'm going to be faithful. And here's the thing. This faithfulness of God is our anchor that is sure and steadfast for our soul. You live in a faulty body. We live in a fallen world where things occur that are not in the will of God. Amen. Not in the will of God. It's not in any way in the will of God. But it's a fallen world, a sin-darkened world. Here's something we get wrong, and I want us to get it right before we leave today. In everything give thanks. And the Bible goes on to say, for everything give thanks. Don't you ever give thanks for something the devil is trying to hurt and harm with. You give thanks for what? For what God has granted. What God has given. I hate to hear God be made the bad guy. On an insurance form, you know what it calls when a house is blown down? It calls an act of God. When an earthquake kills a hundred thousand people through a tidal wave it's an act of god all of the bad stuff is an act of god and the devil is given a free pass my bible said here's what to give thanks for every good say it with me every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights Hallelujah. Come on. It qualifies what is coming from God. Can you say, oh, but the Lord is using this to test me. Listen, God may permit something that the devil's doing, but he will keep you through it. Listen to this carefully. God cannot be tempted in the book of James. God cannot be tempted with evil. 
neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's led away of his own lust and enticed. God is not the tempter. God is the deliverer from temptation. It's part of our prayer. Deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. Can you say man? God's not the one that's sending cancer. Don't thank him for the cancer. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the healer. And he made a covenant with Israel. There's diseases on Egypt. But I will put none of these diseases. I won't do it. It won't come from my hand. Can you say man? I will put none of these diseases upon you that have come upon Egypt. For I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord your physician. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. I'm not the one that hurts you. I'm not the one that gives diseases to you. I'm the one that heals you and delivers you. Can you say man? Woo! Every good. So when it says giving thanks for all things, it's not everything that happens in a faulty body in a fallen world. Otherwise, we could never pray for the sick. man came to R.W. Shambach for prayer. And he said, are you ready to receive your healing? He said, well, I'm not sure. He said, and it was for a tumor. He said, I'm not sure. I don't know if God gave this to me to test me or or to teach me. He said, well, are you receiving treatment for it? He said, yes, I'm told the treatments he was being given. He said, if you believe God gave it to you, why are you trying to get rid of it? Well, he said, well, Shambach was pretty plain spoken. Stay with me just for a few minutes. I mean, if you never want to be healed, there's no point in us going any further. If you believe God made you sick to teach you or to test you, then you're going to stay sick. Don't call the elders for prayer because no one can pray a prayer of faith. He, He said, well, maybe I'm suffering for the glory of this, for the glory of God. He said, if you're suffering for the glory of God... And you really want to glorify God? And you really believe that? Ask Him for another one. So you can give Him twice as much glory. Why bother praying for the sick? If there be any sick among you, let them call for the... Do we have a covenant? Is this blood covenant in place? Is it a better covenant than the old covenant? Is it established on better promises? Have we lost ground with the blood of Jesus? Is it less than the blood of bulls and goats? Can we expect less than David expected? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name, who forgiveth all of thine iniquities, who healeth some of their diseases. All? All? All This is an amazing thing. I was so glad at memorial service yesterday. I looked over on the table and I saw a bottle of anointing oil. Amen. I was glad to see it. I felt right at home where I see a bottle of anointing oil. Why? Because that tells me somebody believes that James 5.14 is just as relevant and just as filled with God's promise and purpose as John 3.16. 
We tell the sinner, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we say it as if we believe it is absolutely true without a shadow of a doubt. Then we go to James 5, 14. If there be any, is it the same Bible? Is it the same book? Is it the same God? Is it inspired by the same Holy Spirit? Will it still stand after everything else has fallen? God's holy word? Yes, it is. If there be any sick, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. In the name of the Lord, the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. No wonder faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, because God doesn't mince words. We're the ones that are not seeing God move because of our lack of faith. So we have to come up with a doctrine that disallows for that move. And we teach people that God is giving them that to teach them. It's not good. It's not perfect. It doesn't come from God. How many, if you knew a thief was in your neighborhood, would get a welcome mat that says, Welcome Thief, and put it in front of your front door and leave it unlocked? If all the houses were getting ripped off in your neighborhood, how many would put out a welcome mat that said, Welcome, thief. So make sure he didn't pass your house by. Would you do that? No. Ain't no thief welcome in my house. Because a thief came to steal. The thief came to kill. And the thief came to destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give you life. Hallelujah. And that more abundantly. I didn't come to hurt you. I didn't come to harm you. I came to heal you. And I came to help you. And the Bible spoke of him this day. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing what he was sent to do. What his nature demands of him. Doing good Every good. Come on, church. Stay with me for five more minutes. Stay awake if you can. Hallelujah. Amen. Every good and perfect gift. Every good and perfect gift. Every good. Jesus went about doing what? Good. Healing who? All. There's that word again, that all-inclusive word. There's no exceptions. All that are oppressed of the devil. He came to hurt. I came to heal. Praise God. Don't give him an opportunity to hurt you. Look to me, the one that wants to help you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of the lack of presence and power in churches that are satisfied with their buildings and their programs and their, their choirs and their preachers and all the trappings of religion, we have to come up with a doctrine that disallows for God's power to manifest to his people. And we have people living for all practical purposes just like the world. They're no different. 
We're as sick as them, defeated as them, divorced as them, subject to temptation, just like them. Sin reigns in them and reigns in many Christians. And yet the Bible said, let not sin reign in your mortal body. I meet with preachers I have for seven years for prayer on Tuesdays. And one of the preachers was telling about another preacher that had fell into sexual sin. Thank God for forgiveness and restoration. But with his attitude, he couldn't get forgiven or restored. Because he said God led him into that adulterous affair so that he could learn how to minister to people when he got delivered from it and forgiven for it so he could minister better to people that are going through that kind of temptation. In other words, until I go out and have an affair, I can't minister to you if you do. So I'm going to go ahead and have mine, and then I'll be very, very understanding to teach you how to come through that. God led me into... Scripture said, lead us not into temptation. God is not... Listen, God is not the temp- God is not tempting you, dear friend. Listen to me carefully. There is one that will do that constantly, but it isn't the Lord. It isn't the Lord. It's never the Lord. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? From evil. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We got to have some victory sooner or later. There's got to be some victory. There's got to be somebody that, that, that believes God and trusts God and glorifies God and, and walks with God. Hallelujah. And lives for God and brings honor to God by the victory in our life. Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph. Triumph is overcoming and celebrating the victory. Hallelujah. He always causes us to triumph in Jesus Christ. Who is he that overcomes the world with all of its trinkets and things to tantalize us? Who is he that overcomes the world? Even he that believes Jesus is the Son of God. And this is the victory, even our faith. Because our personal faith is based on that body of truth that was delivered to the saints. And the truth is that the devil is a liar and he is the father of lies. And it's a lie when we give the devil place in our life and credit and blame God for it. It's a lie from the pit. I was healed of leukemia. I would have been dead before I was nine without God's grace. God's power, God's mercy. I would have hate to have sat in a church that said God afflicted me, amen, to test my family or to teach me something. I'm so glad I learned about the faithfulness of God when I was a child. Amen. I'm so glad I was in tent meetings where the sick were healed, where demons were cast out instead of psychologists trying to figure out what's wrong with us. Amen. In my name you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name you shall tread on serpents. Everybody say, that's not handling snakes. That's overcoming the devil. That old serpent the devil he's called. 
Thou shalt tread on serpents. Hallelujah. Thou shalt lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Glory to God. But by the way, the sick have to have faith because even Jesus wouldn't heal them if they didn't believe. And he had all power. But he required that they believe. And how are we going to believe with this vague interpretation of what is God's will for our life? I was preaching a meeting in Merritt Island, Florida. And there was a whole row came in the back of Catholic nuns in their habits, they call it, their black uniform with all the trappings. They came in, and I thought, Lord, look at here, look at here. Here I am in a Pentecostal church and a whole bunch of Catholic nuns filling the back pew. They come in, and I'm going to tell you, they were the most attentive. They wanted to be instructed. They were hungry for more. They were not satisfied. I'm going to tell you, if you practice Catholicism, you've got a lot of things, a lot of trappings, a lot of Latin and statues and things going on. They, 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 wanted, they came with hungry hearts. When I opened the Bible, they opened their Bible. Amen. When I said something, they took notes. And I remember one thing that made them scribble real quick. I said, listen, if we want to begin to understand the will of God, we need to get into the Word of God. For the Word of God is the will of God. That's why faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word. If you want to know the purpose of God, find a promise of God in His Word. Because if God promised it, He's already purposed it, and He went on record by making a promise. Hath He not said it, and will He not do it? And I saw their faces light up. I saw their faith rise up, and I said, Lord, have mercy. If the Pentecostals don't get it, send the Catholics over here. And you know what happened in an assembly of God in Baton in 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 New New Orleans, Louisiana, a church, an assembly of God church with 3,000 people and 1500 of them were ex-Catholic. They came. They heard there was more than just the practice of a religious system. That there was a reality in God, a relationship with Jesus, and an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And they came and found Christ in a real personal relationship. They became filled with the Holy Spirit. How many Pentecostals are seeking to be filled with the Spirit? They go to Spirit-filled churches, but they don't see the need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The devil loves to make the church appear powerless, impotent. Someone said the church is sick on her feet because she doesn't live, dying on her feet because she doesn't live on her knees. We don't see those answers to prayer. We don't see faith in people to believe when they're prayed for. Acts chapter 14, Paul preached the gospel down at a place called Lystra, I believe it is. He went down to Lystra, and there he preached the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Well, something occurred while he was preaching the gospel. You say, well, that's just salvation. That's John three sixteen. No, what occurred out there, 
was not about the salvation of the soul. It was about the healing of the body because it goes hand in hand. You, you, you can't have the good news of Jesus will save you, but he'll leave you down here without any help. That's not the good news. That's not the gospel. Amen. The same, there was a man who was lame from his mother's womb who never had walked. The same heard Paul preached. And Paul steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said unto him with a loud voice, Stand upon thy feet, Jesus makes you whole. Well, if somebody says it in faith, then you've got the faith to receive it. There's nothing going to stop it from occurring. So he stood up, he leapt, and he walked. And the Bible said the impact of that one healing, it said, and everyone that saw it came to the Lord. Can you say amen? They said Jesus is risen. Jesus is real. There is salvation. He has the power. Not, if he has the power to heal in his name, he can save us too. Glory to God. So go and preach the gospel and heal the sick. What? Go and preach the gospel and... Maybe you don't get this, but I was healed of cancer. I'm excited about healing. God raised me up from a stroke in two and a half days without my face. Bad stroke. Not the little one like my son had, but the big one that put me in the floor where I couldn't move and couldn't speak. In three days because of prayer, God raised me up. So I don't just teach this. I live this. I'm an example of it. But you need to get into the situation where God's Word can be stronger in your life because there's people twisting it. If you preach it like it's written, faith comes. Faith can't help but come. If there be any sick among you, the prayer of faith shall save them. And the Lord shall raise them up. You say, well, Brother Rumble, I don't have that kind of faith. Well, let me tell you where you can get it. D.L. Moody had a problem with believing God for all the things that God had called him to do. And D.L. Moody said, I've been praying for faith, for more faith. Greater faith, stronger faith for years. And faith never came. Then one day I was reading and it jumped off the page to me. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he said, I opened my Bible and begin to read again. This time to come into full agreement with whatever the Word said. And my faith has been growing ever since. Can you say, man? The Scripture says of itself, desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Hallelujah. Back in the day, Pentecostal churches had a full church for a healing line or people receiving prophecies, falling out under the power. But you couldn't get them to Sunday school. You couldn't get them to Bible study. 
we had people sitting in the balcony, filled our parking lot in Sulphur Springs, and had to leave because they couldn't find a place to park at one point in our ministry. Because God was moving. God was saving, healing, filling with the Holy Ghost. And we prayed for so many people. And some people got gloriously healed. Many got gloriously saved. But some did not. Because faith doesn't come by watching other people get healed or watching other people have an experience. Faith, or even having an experience. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Pastor's Bible study where the Word was taught in depth. Eight people. Eight people. Eight people came to Sunday school. Oh, we had kids come for the puppet show. But I'm talking about adults coming to grow in the Word. Eight people. So many we prayed for didn't have faith to be healed. Though the prayer of faith was prayed over them. Man came to Jesus said, Jesus, Jesus, I'm blind man. You know, God is omniscient. He knows everything. And yet he asked the blind man what he wanted. Blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He said, bring that man to me. And the moment they brought him, he said, what do you want? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't need a revelation if a man is blind. I think I could figure out what he wants. But he asked for faith from the blind man. He said, what do you want? He said, Lord, that I may see. And Jesus said, as your faith be. In other words, you can receive this, but it's received by faith. As your faith be, so be it unto you. In other words, if you're not going to believe me for it, I'm standing here with, with all the power there is. I'm God incarnate. But I can't do anything for you unless you'll receive it by faith. You understand why there's such an impotence? In so many churches and people and preachers. Preachers today are not taught, amen, how to move in the anointing and the power of God. We can't figure out what's the devil and what's God. A lady called me on the phone the other night as we worked to a closing. And it was one of those accidental calls. You know, you sit on your cell phone. If you've got things programmed, it might just dial a number. So as I told you before, we get... I call it butt calls from people who sat on their cell. What do you call it? Butt dialing. That's it. That's it. Sounds even better. Sounds more appropriate. I've never heard anyone's butt speak, but I've heard people muffled when they, well, Sean, that's a whole different. I'm just, that's a Sean joke. He's not here. You tell him he missed it Sunday. I was talking about it. We used to get calls all the time from Sean. His number would show up, and we could hear muffled sounds because he was talking to somebody at work or whatever. He had sat on his cell, and I got a call, and it, it came in by accident, but it was God. And it was a young lady that's now a middle-aged lady that used to attend our church. She was there and saw God move like he moved. She saw people healed. She experienced the presence and power of God. She was going to a church up in the Carolinas, wherever she lived. Spirit-filled church. 
because that was her bent and that was her background. And she has a disease that is progressive. And if it continues, it will debilitate her first. And if it continues on, it will eventually take her life. It's a progressive disease. She went to her pastor to have prayer. And see, we're having this conversation that she didn't really call me to have, but God set it up. I realized as we went into it, this is God. This is no accident. This is a, this is a divine appointment. And she said, my pastor told me, but he went to pray for me and anoint me with oil, but he said, I believe God has given you this disease to teach you something. So just thank him for it and learn whatever lesson that he wants to teach you. And she said, and I knew, Brother Venable, that is not what you believe and that is not what you teach. I said, dear sister, this is not about what I believe and what I teach. This is about what the Bible says and whether we believe it or not. This is not about me and you and him or them. This is about me and you and God and his word right now. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing impossible with God. And there is nothing impossible to them that believe. Can you say man? And I said, I don't want to get in an argument between you and your pastor. But I said, I'm going to tell you something. Go back in the Bible. Don't choose between me or him. Just get in the Bible. And let, this includes me, let God be true. And let every man, me, him, and everybody on television, let every man whether he wears a robe or a suit or a cloak, let every man become the liar if it contradicts what God says in His Word. And take the Word to heart and stand on the Word of God because God stands behind it. Can you say man? Somebody give Him praise in this place. You can stand on it because God stands behind it. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 So when the ark came back, the Bible said, David, David, David danced before the Lord with how much? That's what we used to be criticized for. Because we got beside ourselves in worship. We could not contain the joy. Anybody ever see, let's make a deal back in the day. What's behind box? Which box do you want? I want box. Which curtain do you want? I want curtain number three. And they open the curtain. It's a brand new car. Have you ever seen anybody be nonchalant? Oh, there's a brand new car. Oh, that's very nice. Oh, that's, that's nice. No, they get behind them. You know who they choose for audiences? You know who they choose for audiences for these quiz shows? They don't choose people that look like church people on Sunday. Amen? Come on, they don't look, they look tired, beleaguered, berated, discouraged, despondent, distracted, beat up, beat down, toe up from the flow up. Can you say amen? They don't look for those people. Because if they win some, they don't react properly. They want somebody, if they get the big deal, makes a big deal of it. 
They want somebody that says, Woo! I preached in a Baptist church and did that, and I forgot I had on one of those mics that comes near your mouth. Blew the sound man's eardrums. Had to pray for him after the No, we didn't. We didn't blow him. We, he wasn't too happy about it. He had headphones to monitor everything. Boy, I saw his eyes light up when I hollered. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> That'll light you up. Woo! Why'd you do that? Because I've been healed. I've been delivered. I've been set free. I have been helped in my life. God has come through. Hallelujah. Let, oh, hallelujah. Get in the Word of God. Get the Word of God in you. Let it dwell in you so richly. Hallelujah. That anything that contradicts it becomes the wrong thing. And everything that confirms it becomes the right thing. Can you say amen? You can even hear a song that's not based on right doctrine and say, That ain't right. That is not what the Scripture teaches. It's a nice little song, but it doesn't fit the truth of the Bible. Can you say amen? I heard one of those songs as I closed. This is the fifth closing. Amen. We usually have about 12, so we've got seven more. Amen. Listen to me carefully. (laughs) They're not laughing. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. My people are laughing because they know it's true. These guys are trying to figure me out. Amen. Listen, if you hang out with us, you're going to get used to us after a while. Praise God. This is real, church. This is real. I heard a song about tearing the roof off. And a man that they took up on the roof that was sick, going to die, and they put him down through the hole in the roof to get him to Jesus. And the song said, with no faith of his own. When he saw their faith, with no faith of his own. Now see, that's erroneous. That's a wrong song. Without faith, it's impossible. You've got to have, nobody can have faith for you. If you don't have any faith, Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this thing? Before he did anything. He came to a man at the pool of Bethesda and said, wilt thou be made whole? That's What? Will you receive? In Acts 14, there's a man sat that never had walked, who Paul perceiving him and Steadfastly beholding him, perceiving he had faith to be healed. He told the man with the faith to receive to stand up and walk. And he received it and stood up and walked. If we don't teach and build faith into the congregation, we can't, without their faith, pray the prayer of faith over them. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't believe, God won't overrule your doubt and unbelief. How can a preacher do that with his anointing? He can't. And that's why so many people are prayed for and no help comes. And then we say, well, God must not do that anymore. God doesn't come through. Yes, he does. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and he will be forever. Hallelujah. I'm the Lord God of Israel, and I what? I change not. The church has changed, but God hasn't changed. And as soon as we begin to look to him and give him that place of authority and influence praise god you read the health magazines one in three people are going to get cancer 
Amen. Listen, you can put yourself right in that statistic. You can put yourself. I had a lady come to me and she said, I, my daddy was an alcoholic. His daddy was an alcoholic. We, our, our lineage goes back to Ireland. And, and I, I know I'm going to become an alcoholic. I said, have you come to Christ? Yes. Have you accepted him as your Savior? Yes. I said, you got a new bloodline. Abraham. Your bloodline now goes back to Abraham. For they that are of the household of faith are Abraham's seed by faith. And the blessings of Abraham. Where did his blessings come from? The covenant God made with him and for Israel for all time. Hallelujah. You're a woman of the covenant. You don't have to let your earthly family tree determine your destiny hallelujah you've got a spiritual family tree you have been born again into a new family and your lineage goes back to abraham can you say man thank you for the patty cake everybody give him a praise hallelujah wow i'm so excited No wonder David danced. He said, when this ark gets back, God is going to be faithful to his covenant with us. Enemies are going to keep coming. It ain't going to stop the enemies from coming. But it is written in the covenant. They will come out against you one way. They will flee before you seven ways. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's written in the covenant. Hallelujah. So the joy of having being right with God and having God with us and for us, it, it is a transcendent joy. And I'm going to dance for joy before the Lord with all of my might. I'm not going to hold anything back in my praise and my worship because though we live in a faulty body, in a fallen world, we have a faithful Father. Can you say man? I said we have a faithful Father. And no matter what happens in this body and in this world, I have a Father who says call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me. I haven't been free from trouble, but I have continually experienced his faithfulness to deliver. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In fact, the more trouble I have, the more my testimony is growing. Brother Vimble, are you asking for trouble? Honey, you don't have to. In this world. How many are still in this world? We don't have any aliens here. Praise God. In this world, you shall have trouble. You shall have tribulation. But cheer up. I've overcome the world. And I'm with you. And I'm for you. Hallelujah. Praise God for victory. Somebody say praise God for victory. 